Good morning from me. Good morning to add to um, Cass. Today we're starting a new series together, um, which we're really excited about. That is entitled "A Church Called Home." A church called home. Shout out to Hebe Wilson for the design for this, um, as always. And um, yeah, we are really excited about this. Over the next five weeks, we're going to be exploring this simple idea of a church called home, being like a home as a church. And the reason we're excited about this is because we believe this is a word for us at Herald for this coming season as we attempt to faithfully move towards um, what we think God is wanting to build here among us as an emerging community. And that he's inviting us to think deeply together about this idea of home and how we can be part of creating something strong enough and beautiful enough and rich enough um, within this community that can be worth calling that name home. And I also think this is a timely word for us as well, because we're in a moment in our culture where home is very much the word of the day. Uh, And yet culture's vision of home and this kind of divine invitation to home building are not the same thing. So I think God wants to do some heart work in us as well along the way as we set out on this series. Um, But today, as we kind of kind of just what I want to do is really tee us up for the series ahead to introduce this kind of like core idea of of church as home to tee up the coming four weeks of this five week um, series, if that's all right with you. First, though, I want to do a discursive exercise amongst you, the introverts amongst you freaking out already. Uh, here. Just for a couple of minutes, I want you to uh, turn to the nearest two people around you into groups of three and ask yourself this question or series of questions. What do you think of when you think of this word home? What is it for you? Where is it? What does it mean to you? How does it make you feel? So I'll give you a couple of minutes to do that. Turn into threes, discuss that question, and then we'll come back together. Go. Brilliant. Well, let's bring it back in uh, then now. Hopefully that was an enlightening uh, discussion. Um, Introverts, hope you're doing okay, by the way, in the room. I'm not an introvert, so uh, I'm speaking to a different group of people. Um, I was thinking about this question myself, unsurprisingly, this week. I thought, good thing to do after getting everyone to uh, break into a discussion. And this question, what is home for me? Now, for a long time, home was synonymous for me with my childhood home, my parents' home. So like many um, people, I left home at 18. I went off to university in Nottingham. I stayed there and lived there for another couple of years after that, after I graduated. Then I moved to King's Cross in London, lived there for another five years, then Bath for three years. But despite all of those moves, despite this kind of like multiple processes of settling down in my adult life, for much of that time, if I'm honest, probably at least till the age of 30, when I visited my parents' house, I still had that feeling of like coming home to another level. I don't know if you can relate to this. I felt it particularly at Christmas time. Someone in our group mentioned Christmas as an association with home. I'd pat my car up full and there'd be that, you know, driving home for Christmas moment. I remember a couple of times getting that song on the radio as well. It was great. And as I pulled into the drive, I'd feel that sense of like, just breathing out a little bit, uh, finally feeling like, for all the ups and downs of the year, everything that had been going on, I was kind of coming back to a place of permanence, a place of security. Now I was home. Until, of course, the first family argument, at which point I'd be like, stuff this, I want to go home. 
You know, I don't know if you can relate to that. Home can be quite like a changing category in our heads. Home's also an area for me, um, though, as well. It's also a a place, a city, um, at different points in my life. This has been true. Once, after Kath and I moved to Liverpool, and we've been, like, through that first chapter of putting down roots, falling in love with the city, settling in, making it home. I remember uh, going away for the first time uh, for, for a trip and then coming back uh, up the M6, get through the, all the traffic jams and all the roadworks, down the M62, and there we were above the M62, the first signs overhead for Liverpool. And we both turned to one another and we'd say, it is so good to be home. And it's such a nice feeling when that becomes true for the first time. In a concrete sense as well, home is also the very much, uh, for me, the physical house that I live in, of course, in the Georgian Quarter, um, the other side of the city centre. But it's also more than the house, it's also the relationships that make it up uh, quite clearly. It's the three of us, me, Kath, and our daughter, Amelie, soon to be four of us. That feels key to the whole thing, not just a building. Home makes me think of my identity, so it's like a zone for me where I'm most known, most understood, most unconditionally loved, and therefore most safe as well. It's constituted not just by physical space, but by the faithful, reciprocal commitment of those that I share home with. It makes me think of my values too. I associate it with the things I love the most and the people most important to me. And it carries a sense of permanence as well, in contrast to, as I said, the day-to-day or the year-to-year changes going on around me. So there's a sense of refuge to it, definitely. And hope as well. Hope. There's also a sense of hope and rest, because there's something about the word home that conjures up this sense of arrival, of reaching an ultimate destination. And I say all of this, you're like, my answer wasn't that long, Jamie. Um, I say all of this to point out the obvious at the beginning, that this word home is an incredibly powerful, emotive, expansive word. And it it carries unique associations for every single uh, one of us. But in every case, these associations profoundly continue to shape our identity, our values, and our goals. Um, It gets right to the heart of things for us when we start thinking about home. And it's almost as if there's something in our human hardwiring where this idea of home has been written. And so I want to suggest just the simple um, idea today that the reason that it feels like we've been hardwired for home as humans is because the story of God is really a story about homemaking. So what I want to do, I want to just unpack that a bit more now and take a look at the story of God as we read it through um, the sweep of the biblical narrative. Now, if you've been around us for any length of time by now, hopefully you're getting used to this exercise by now. We do this quite a bit. Among other things, our theology at Herald can be described as a narrative theology, which means that our conviction is that we understand the Bible, the most clearly, we believe, when we immerse ourselves within the unified story that runs from its first page to its last, and that our own lives start to make the most sense when we begin to find our place within that unified story. So let's take a look at this idea of home, then, through the lens of the biblical narrative. How does the story start? Well, nope, I'm not going to give you prizes here, but if you've been here for a while, you're thinking he's going to say Genesis 2. And I am going to say Genesis 2, because in Genesis 2, 
first, what do we see? The first biblical picture in the narrative of the Bible. Man and woman are set within what? Within the perfect home. That's Eden. We talk about this loads on Sundays. And of the, of the many profound truths that we can find within that first biblical image, uh, probably one of the most significant is that core to our original design as humans was that we were to be at home. And this wasn't home in the sense that we often think of it, you know, lots of different closed-off buildings, each providing a, a refuge from the world out there. It wasn't us and them. It was a shared home. Uh, the whole world, in fact, was a home. It was safe, it was joyous, and it was home. And what's the next thing, then, that happens? Well, a bit like a teenager packing their bags in the middle of the night and heading out, Adam and Eve leave this home, Genesis 3. And this is the entrance of what the Bible calls sin into the story. And sin, in this sense, we can really understand as the historic project of us rebelling against this God-given home that we were set in. So from Genesis 3 onwards, we enter the world uh, like the one that we still find ourselves in today, and we see thereon in life marked by what biblical scholars have begun to call the problem of human homelessness. From here on in the narrative, yes, a version of home still exists. Families exist, houses exist, various other subgroups of people exist along the way. And what's clear is that life would be totally unbearable without those things. It's essential, it's good, it's necessary. But there's a sense in which those things are only able to provide a limited temporary refuge against this wider experience out there uh, of human homelessness. Tracking forward then in the narrative, where does hope first enter the story? Well, again, no prizes for guessing. It's Genesis 12, though. It's always Genesis 12 next, the call of Abraham. And uh, what is it that God calls this man Abraham to do in Genesis 12? What does he call him to do? He calls him to leave home. He calls him to leave his family home and his geographic home, in order to follow God towards this new kind of home, a home that God was going to build through him for the sake of bringing the whole world home. And this is like the homemaking uh, plan that is at the heart of this pact, which um, in biblical language we call the covenant that God makes with Abraham and then confirms with the people of Israel. It's a homemaking plan. Fast forward then to the New Testament and the arrival of Jesus, uh, whose mission we find is to continue and fulfill um, this journey of Abraham. And so his mission is to embrace homelessness in order to bring the whole world home. First, this looks like God himself leaving his heavenly home to be born a crying baby in our world, right? We've just been celebrating this last month at Christmas time. But it also looks like Jesus on earth moving away from his hometown in Nazareth, in this uh, village in the countryside in Galilee, beyond his family home, beyond his mother and his brothers, to literally become a homeless itinerant who is entirely dependent on the hospitality of others. And this journey of homelessness for Jesus culminates in him embracing a shameful death on a cross, on a hill, not in the countryside any longer, but in the capital city, the other side of the country, on a hill in Jerusalem, on a cross. And here we find the Son of God himself 
Imagine that, mocked and killed as a rebel and a blasphemer. It is not possible to have been further from home than Jesus at that point. Jesus' mission then is a mission of embracing homelessness in order to make the whole world home for us. And so the story of the Bible isn't one where uh, we leave the world behind and return home to God, uh, nor is it the tragic one where we leave God behind and make home here on our own. But the story of God written throughout the pages of the Bible is God stepping in to cure the problem of human homelessness by coming to make home here with us. And so when we immerse ourselves in this biblical narrative, we see that the God of the Bible is a homemaker, first and foremost, and that the church is called to participate in this mission of Jesus and be homemakers with him. So that's the, that's the sweep of the biblical story. If we look at it through the lens of home, I think it's hugely revealing. I want to set that out at the beginning of this series as we kind of explore this idea of church as home. It's a beautiful vision for Christ's church, a church called home. And as I was praying at the start of the year, uh, I was asking God this question, what is it that you're inviting us into this community here at Herald that's beginning to shape shape here in Liverpool? What is it you're inviting us into at the start of 2022? And as I asked that question, I, I felt him just remind me of this central thread of homemaking that runs throughout um, the biblical narrative and this um, beautiful way that it unpacks the mission of the church. So that's what we want to do over the next four weeks. We're going to explore this a bit more together. We're going to move next week from like the big vision of church as home, and we're going to start to think about our place within it, and in particular this idea of homemaking. And then we're going to look at something we're calling home economics, and then we're going to look at this idea of becoming a home for our city. And finally, a talk we're entitling, Home is Where the Heart Is, as we bring everything into land and share something of what we sense God concretely leading us into um, in, the year, um, in the coming year, and a moment for us to commit around um, that vision. that Because at some level, one way or the other, God has given them a passion and a dream for what church could be if pursued purely and wholeheartedly in a sustained way. In fact, I know many of you are probably here today because that's you. Like that's, that's the thing that's caught your heart is um, this dream for what the church could be. And uh, I think the reason God's gathering um, this sort of ragtag bunch of us, no offense, among us together um, for the journey is because that's actually his heart for us too. That's actually his dream for us to pursue the best of what the church could be. Not world domination, not ego, but a beautiful project of homemaking fueled by the worship of Jesus. That's my dream. I'm sure uh, many of you resonate with that. Home for the city, hope for the world, right? Here's the hard bit. Pursuing something like this is easier said than done. If it was that easy, everyone would be doing it. So while the vision is easy to get behind, the personal cost of actually walking out that vision is another matter altogether. What's the cost? Well, at least in part, it looks like, I think, it has to look like being willing to join the same kind of journey, uh, the same kind of movement as Abraham was on and Jesus fulfilled, moving out from the safety of our own personal homes as we've constructed them to lean into this much riskier enterprise, which is the common home-building project of the people of God. 
I thought, let me just unpack that a little bit more. We've already said that the world. I don't know if you know this, in many European countries, in our home, and less time with people outside of our home. And unsurprisingly, along the way, as our cultural value of home has risen, what's happened, there's been an accompanying explosion of house prices. Many have chosen to move cities or jobs or even change careers to prioritize their home environment above other things. And so the fact is that this cultural vision of home may at this point be a significant cultural idea that's shaping all of us right now. Series to bring us to an awareness of these cultural currents we're all swimming around in at the moment. And then to begin to hear something of Jesus' boundaried space that is the home and the family and saying, yes, what I'm inviting you into is something that would break into even this sphere of your life and reorganize it under the kingdom of God. A few chapters later, Matthew 12, Jesus in the midst of speaking to a gathering of followers when a pointed word reaches him from the back that his immediate family, his mother and his brothers are outside and they're demanding to speak to him right away. And instead of stopping speaking and going to them, he chooses to take up this very point as a teaching point amongst the crowd. And he, so he puts to the crowd, he says, where, um, this question, where should his allegiances lie right now in the face of that question? So he says, who is my mother and brothers? They're you lot, he says. It's you standing here in this crowd pursuing God together with me. It's just provocative. Finally, Matthew 19, Jesus talks about this strange idea of those who choose to be like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of God. You thought talk of foxes and dens was weird. It's getting weirder. Um, He says, there are eunuchs who are born that way. There are eunuchs who've been made eunuchs by others. And there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. What is he on about? Well, he's taking up the cause of those millions of single people that we their status, um, eunuchs, those who literally didn't have the apparatus. And he says, in this kingdom I'm ushering in, peace, clearly not a functional building with heating and lighting and power, but healthy home. That's what we're after. For others of you, the last few years of staying at home and saving lives, or of working from home and prioritizing home over everything else, has knocked you sideways. And opening up in a community like this feels harder than ever. You know, maybe people are watching on the live stream as well at the moment. Just like there's there's still this barrier of being here in in a community too, inviting you to turn the page and hear him call you. My sense is that there's something in this call to permanence that God is inviting you into. You can't build anything if you're moving around all the time. I don't know if you've heard that. It's like trying to build a wall whilst running at the same time. It's not possible. Uh, Build the sure foundations in this community capable of taking us there. For one or two, I even wonder if there's something timely in this apprenticeship year thing that we've been announcing and we're going to be running soon. Maybe that's a total curveball for you, but you sense that there's something maybe prophetic in this whole idea of putting down roots for the long haul. Let me close with this. We just talked um, a moment ago about some of the cost in this journey, but the fact is all the cost is only for the sake of the promise that lies right on the other side of it. Here's the promise twice over. First Mark 10, Jesus says, truly I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much 
in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. And this tells us Jesus is not unaware of how intimidating the thought can be of investing so much of our lives in something beyond the safe boundaries of our private homes. He knows it will not always be straightforward or unproblematic, but he wants us to see that the reward, emotionally, spiritually, and materially, isn't just reserved for a pat on the back in heaven, but will come to us in this life if we give out all to it. That's what he's saying here. Here's the promise a second time. This time it comes in the Old Testament in Exodus 34. The people of Israel have just become a people for the very first time in earnest. They've been freed from slavery in Egypt, and they've gathered at the foot of a mountain, Mount Sinai. And here God's brought them together and renewed his covenant with them, which is like the home-building pact of Abraham we talked about earlier. They've been given instructions to build a home for God, that's the tabernacle, first and foremost, to worship him and to live faithfully and wholeheartedly with one another so that the whole world would be blessed through them. And it, it is, it's this restatement of this home-building covenant that God made with Abraham. It's theirs to pursue. And at the end of all of this, Exodus 34, verse 10, uh, God reminds them of his promise to them if they fully give themselves to this vision. He says this, Behold, I am making a covenant before all your people I will do marvels such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And All the people among who you are shall see the work of the Lord for it is an awesome thing that I will do. God's vision for the church is a beautiful vision. And his heart for our community here at Herald is that we would pursue this vision with everything that we've got. It's not easy, it's not without cost, but the promise in front of us is that if we go all in for it, then we will see God do incredible things in our city and beyond like have never been seen before.